You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Welcome into a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. Thank you all so much uh, for spending a little bit of time with us today. Um, candidly, you know, this is obviously, uh, it's it's a it's a tough day for us. It's a tough day for everyone in the city, everyone that loves the Kansas City Chiefs. And, um, you know, we're all still going through it and, and processing things. Um, we want to try to do a relatively normal show. You know, we want to try to, get into a little bit of football conversation later um i i just you know i think we probably all are still working through and processing some stuff i want to say first off how much we love you all listening um how much we love this city how much we love chiefs fans um we're hurting with you um and you know it's been it's been a really hard a really hard couple you know it feels like a couple days it's been 30 hours but um just love you praying for you and uh we're gonna get through this together we're gonna get through this stronger and uh we appreciate you i'm here with two of my favorite people on the planet maddie lane and craig stout matthew hi uh i don't know if you have any thoughts before we kind of move on but it's floor is yours my friend i mean i didn't and what is there to say i don't have a lot to say so i mean Thoughts, prayers with everybody in the Kansas City area that was impacted, affected about it, even those not there, even those that are just, you know, for on the outside looking in, they are f- having the same feelings and empathy and sympathy and everything for everybody and everything going on. I, there's not a lot to say. It's, you know, stuff like this happens, unfortunately, and all we can do is be there for each other as we try to work through it. And, you know, we're hopefully going to you know provide you guys a little bit of an escape from anything like that if it has been bogging you down over today that is kind of our goal and hope with this so with that said i i will you know turn this over to craig let him get any emotions and thoughts he has out and then i think we're going to try to distract you for the next 50ish minutes yeah that's 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 going to be our goal heart goes out to everybody um day of celebration turns into a day of just garbage uh senseless act i you know feel terrible for everybody that was there that was affected by it um those that weren't like maddie said you know this this takes a a greater toll than even the physical one i know that the physical one is the one that we are all acutely aware of and um the mental side of this is one that you may not be aware of now but it might be something that that crops up later down the line please use your resources there are plenty terrific ones around the Kansas City area, around the globe, around America, you know, please use your resources, reach out to people, talk to them, you know, it helps. It really does. Don't don't force yourself to internalize all this and go through all of that alone. There are resources out there for you. So um yeah, um obviously just really sad and angry and all of the emotions that I think that we're all feeling right now. So we're going to try to put those away. We're going to turn the page, move on from Super Bowl a little bit more, start in on the offseason here, and um, yeah, like Maddie said, try it, try and bring you a distraction for the next little while. And please feel, please feel free to show us a little grace if this doesn't go completely smoothly either, because, you know, obviously we're dealing with, the, you know, we're, we're dealing with it the same way you guys are, and we're going to try to turn the page as best we can for the next, you know, 
uh, as I would like it, 30 minutes, um, or as Maddie would like it, 50. Uh, but yeah, we're just, we're going to, we're going to try, we're going to try to do what we can. Um, but we just, I don't know. We felt like we wanted to maybe just try to have a relatively normal evening with all of you. So, so we're going to try to do, and no easy way to kind of transition all this stuff, but the the news of the day does come from some comments that were made yesterday by you know by one of the players. Uh, Chris Jones has verbally agreed to a lifetime extension <laughs> with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, he, uh, I'm I'm holding him to it. Uh, I think he should probably just play at league minimum, uh, if you ask me. But. Uh, no, Chris Jones, uh, there was some very optimistic, like reasons for optimism, I, I would say, if you're a Chiefs fan that is hoping for Chris Jones to stick around in Kansas City. He makes some comments basically saying it for everybody that wanted me not to be or everyone that wanted me to leave. I ain't going nowhere. I'm not leaving. I'm staying. I, I'll be back. Um, It got the place hyped. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes was having to hold him prop him up and keep him on the stage at the same time. Uh, but it, man, I, I don't think there's any question at this point where Chris Jones wants to play football. And I think those comments definitely cement exactly where he wants to be. Uh, I mean, if he wants to be a chief, he'll be a chief. So I, I don't know if I can go as far as you did. Like if he wants to be a chief, they, there is a contract number out there that he can accept <laughs> And he'll be a chief. So yeah. he wants to be a chief if all things are equal. I think we can 100% say that. If all things are equal, he's choosing to be a Kansas City chief. We'll see when, once free agency starts or once, I guess, the window for the Chiefs to extend him. I think Craig's probably better at me going through those dates here in a sec. Actually, if you want to go through those dates, if you have them ready, Craig. Sure, we'll I do. Know How did you know I would have these? This, <laughs> because this is gibberish to me. This works. Like I ask people to explain this and they give me like real life banking terms. Like, no, talk to me like I'm a fifth grader. I need yes or no answers to my questions on what this means. So I won't even pretend to go through this. Craig Contract is going to let Maddie. us know what's going on with this. Okay, Maddie. So the answer is yes. Does that help you? Any do you do you understand Chris Jones's contract fully and completely now? Yes. I yes okay, I Okay, great. No. Um there is a dummy year uh for twenty twenty eight that would activate on this Sunday, uh coming up here. That would be, I believe, the eighteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth. So um there's a dummy year that the Chiefs can essentially keep on the books if they want to but they can void it by all accounts is it's a very easily voidable thing. Something to kind of spurn some action that was in the contract that was already kind of there at $4.25 million. However, the big thing that we're looking at right now is that February 21st, which that would be next Wednesday at the time of this recording. So February 21st, there has to be a new deal for Chris Jones or else a $4.25 million cap hit would accelerate to the Chiefs, you know, basically to their cap this year by doing that. This is the the way that they were able to put his option. Correct. 2024 was, season. Thank you. Yes. Immediately into the 2024 season. So this upcoming year. This was kind of their way of spreading out some of the option bonuses. You know, all this money that we've been talking about that Chris Jones is playing for. It's in, in his incentives and stuff like that. They sheltered it in a way that it essentially gets spread out from 2024 to 2027. 
if they choose to keep him on the roster, if they've got a new deal, if they don't have a new deal by February 21st, that money goes to the 2024 cap. So those are the big dates right now. The main important one, in my opinion, is the February 21st date. That is the one that right there, I think, makes it to where it doesn't prevent them from signing a new contract with Chris Jones by any means. As a matter of fact, $4.25 million, they can figure out a way to make that work. But I think that that fully prevents them from putting him on the franchise tag. It would be the most expensive non-quarterback franchise tag in NFL history if they did it. That franchise franchise tag alone is $32.1 million plus this $4.2 million. Now all of a sudden, you're talking about nearly $35 million against the salary cap to place that tag on Chris Jones in the 2024 season. That is not something I think the Chiefs have an annual Jones money. For. So we're... We'll, we'll get into what all that means, but those are the major numbers, and that's why I think it matters for that February 21st date. Basically, I, think it important that you, I think it was important that you noted if they don't reach an extension by then, it doesn't mean that Chris Jones is 100% not coming back. It's correct. 4.25 isn't such a ridiculous amount that you can't still figure out a way to, to make that work, right? Like That's still a number that even if it just gets accelerated to 2024, it's not that big of a deal. You would obviously prefer not to have to deal with it, right? But so we might get Chris Jones stuff coming up soon and we and we might not. And we'll guess that's I mean, I know, really peeking back behind the curtain there. You might or you might not. But I just there is dates coming up. It's worth noting that these dates are here. They're right around the corner with Chris Jones. And then to Ken's point, they he did say that he wants to be here next year. So like we'll see what that accounts for when he's sobered up and his agents are also talking to him. And not, you know, a ways away. Well, the Katz brothers immediately refuted basically that comment and said, like, take the mic away from him. <laughs> like, let's get it. Let's get the mic out of his hand because we, uh, you know, he's not thinking clearly or whatever like that. But I don't know. I heard it's legally binding. And I think he's just going to take the Quentin, <laughs> Quentin Williams deal. Um, so, yeah, that $4,250, i will be honest with you, that $4 million bonus, or I, that de- that potential dead cap. I think it's. I don't think the Chiefs are getting a, do- a deal done in the next seven days. Um, I don't think the Cats brothers care if it affects the Chiefs cap at all. The Chiefs would have to come with a really strong offer in order to make that happen. And I think Chris Jones is going to ultimately test the market. I think he's going to try to get out there and do all that stuff. So I, that's the only thing like I can think about. Like I understand the the mechanics for the Chiefs side, and maybe it gives them a little bit more motivation to potentially get something done. But ultimately, at the same time, it kind of just feels like this whole saga has involved Chris Jones trying to get every single dime he can. And if he doesn't actively hit the open market, that's not going to be the case, right? Like so, like do we think like how how big of a deal do we think this one week kind of window really is for the negotiations when it's all said done, Matt? Well, and so this is where I think it gets tricky. And like, this is, you know, going to p- pull the curtain back on what we talked about beforehand. I didn't know how far we wanted to go down the Chris Jones well, because to do so, I think you have to start talking about the entire offseason, especially if we're talking about making a move in this first week here before the Chiefs can legally start talking to, you know, any other free agents or anything like that before it's allowed for them to talk to any other free agents. Like they just got done winning a Super Bowl. 
they probably don't have as much done, you know, behind the scenes on who's going to be available, what the pricing may be, you know, the combine, which comes up after this deadline that we're talking about. It comes up at the end of this month. I believe it starts February 26th. That's where the Chiefs are going to start to get a lot of their information about what's coming up in free agency. So it's a little tricky for them to go ahead and make a decision on Chris Jones right here and right now without also talking about what the implications of that are going to be throughout the entire, you know, offseason, throughout what their entire plan is. Chris Jones is going to take if he comes back a substantial amount of money. And yes, the Chiefs can push some of that off into the future, and I'm sure they will if they make the deal, but he you know he's he's older. He's a veteran. You can't push that money too far down the road before yeah. you really have to you know, paying, you know, ponying up for it, right? So if Chris Jones is coming back, I think that severely limits some other moves they might be able to make at positions like wide receiver or what they might be able to do with Legereus Sneed or what they might be able to do at left tackle. And I'm not saying that it's more or less important, but making that decision right now before you get to really go in and talk to all the agents in person in Indianapolis, before you get to go see with other teams, just get a feel for everything, that's a strong move. Like that, that takes a lot of conviction to make that move over the next week. So, like, the Chiefs really got to start hammering out their offseason plans. And I, that deadline for Chris Jones comes really quick to make that decision, in my opinion. It does. It does. And we saw what happened last year when they had more runway to get this deal done. It didn't get done. Like, it, it didn't until week two of the NFL season. I don't think that <clears throat> listen, Chris Jones has every right to sit down here and say, I am a $33 million football player. I need to get paid $33 million. And guess what? I truly believe that I'm going to get that on the open market. If he comes to the table with that to the Kansas City Chiefs, they they basically got to either let him test the market or try and figure out a way to try and get something for him. And I know that that's where everybody's brain goes to, so that's why I wanted to kind of broach that subject. Chiefs' current cap space right now They have $22 million for 2024. Now, they can make a lot of restructuring moves. I'm not saying that there's not a lot of moves that they can make with Patrick Mahomes' money, with Joe Tooney, with Marcos Valdez-Scantling. I'm talking restructures here. Jordan Taylor. Yeah, they can cut MVS for $12 million, and that's the one that we're going to use. You cut MVS for $12 million, you still can't afford Chris Jones' cap. Like, you have to make a ton of moves as a franchise to fit that cap number under your under your salary cap target there. And that's just to get to free agency so that you could trade the man. Like, if that's You're talking from a tag going. perspective. You're talking about from a tag, from a tag perspective. perspective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I don't think that that's feasible. I think if we clear February 21st, I don't think they're putting the tag on Chris Jones one bit. So now it comes down to, does Chris Jones want to be in Kansas City? Is Kansas City going to come up to that hypothetical $33 million number that I brought up there? Or are they going to say, hey, you go test the market, prove to us that you're going to get $33 million and then come back and talk to us, which I think is probably the most realistic option here. It does not behoove his agents to sign anything with Kansas City that they feel is steeply below their market value. And we heard basically through the rumor mill last year and, you know, somewhat publicly (laughs) through some very nice sources, it was essentially like a $27, $28 million, you know, per year average for Chris Jones. 
And there was a lot of it guaranteed. A lot of it guaranteed. I don't know that the Chiefs are going to offer any bigger than that this year. And if that's the case, I don't know that Chris Jones has the same appetite to to come down to that number that he did. You know, he certainly didn't last year. But we'll see. Well, we really will see. I'm just going to keep an eye on that. I don't think it makes sense for Chris Jones specifically, unless the Chiefs are coming up to his number, to sign anything before he gets to find out what the open market has for That's And that's kind of where I sit. Like I know, I, I think the Chiefs are going to be on on the hook for this four million dollars. Um, I think, you know, I don't think they're going to be able to come to some kind of agreement because I do think that Chris Jones is ultimately going to test the market. I don't think there's going to be a thirty-three million dollar market for him personally. I mean, I think he's a great player, but the same reasons that there are hesitations about a pass rusher defensive tackle on the wrong side of thirty. I, I still think some teams will. I mean, there there might be a couple, and I'll just I you know I guess it just takes one. But I just have a hard time believing someone's going to hit over Aaron Donald's you know thirty two million dollar hit, right? Um, but hey, look, the Chicago Bears just made some. They just made some moves here today. A lot, and, uh, of, mo- a lot of money, money. clearing space to clear some cap space, and you know, who knows? But. I think this will get drawn out to uh, to to the open market. The open market will kind of dictate where things go. Um, I think I, the Chiefs will get some opportunities here to have some right of first refusal is probably the best way I think I can phrase it. And the Chiefs might be able to get close and maybe close is good enough for Chris Jones. I don't know. I know what he's saying. I know what he believes and what he wants. And he wants to come back. I think that's very obvious and apparent that he wants to come back here and be a chief. I just, I, I have a hard time believing the chiefs are going to be able to afford what he's going to get. Not that I don't think it's going to be 33, but even if it was 29, 29 mil over three years, APY, I don't know if to do that. I will say this. They do have a little bit of a leg to stand on. I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald, was a first team all pro back to back years had was getting ready to turn 31 when the Los Angeles Rams signed him to that big contract. Now, Aaron Donald was also threatening to retire. Like that that does matter. <laughs> yes, that matters a lot. So and he was still under contract, I believe, as well. Correct. Was, correct. Yeah. But they signed that giant, massive contract for him. Chris Jones is a year younger than Aaron Donald was when he signed that contract coming off of back-to-back first-team All-Pro years. There's there's something there. Like, his agents do have a little bit of a leg to stand on to try and ask for monster money here. Make no mistake. But we'll see. We, we really will see if the Chiefs can come up just enough to make him go, yeah, I want to stay here, and this is where I want to be, so I'm willing to sign for that amount. Well, okay, on the Donald thing, too, do we think the Rams are happy with what they're paying Donald for what he's given since that contract? He hasn't been bad. Don't get me wrong. He's still one of the best defensive tackles. He was first-team All-Pro this year. I mean... <laughs> but, but is Aaron Donald the same Aaron Donald now that you paid that money to nope. only two years later? He's not. Nope. And he was also coming, you know, off of being first and third for Defensive Player of the Year. Chris Jones is yeah, yeah, yeah. not uh, quite... Uh, for, no, but I just... That's... This is my... This is what the age part of the defensive tackle scary. The best defensive tackle, the best defender I've ever seen also started to fall off a cliff right at the same time. Like, we just did this with another alien freak of nature. 
got to be a little hesitant jumping in for that much money. I, I did see a comment here um, in, in from, what do we got? Your real, uh, it was a draft question. I, I just want to take this moment. I think next week or the week after, we will be starting a K, our KCS and draft show. So we will talk a lot deeper about prospects on those. Um, I do like Lad McConkey, aka Satan 11, I mean, quite a bit. Wanted to um, we do like Lad McConkey a lot here. <laughs> yes, big big 7-Eleven fans. His nickname is 7-Eleven, um, according to myself and myself alone, I think. Um, because he's all- We will be doing, yes. I, it, you don't have to explain. Okay, Kit, calm down. I do have to explain it. But um, we will be doing a draft show starting at least next week to get deeper specifically into all prospects at positions. So I just wanted to put that out there because I know some people had also asked. Uh, as far as the Chris Jones thing, the last thing that I think that's important about it, and you guys mentioned it, we think he probably gets to free agency to test the open market. I don't know what that does for the Chiefs. Brett Veach has liked to make a big move or two right at the, when the uh, free agency opens up, which is March 11th. He's routinely made a big signing during kind or announcement agreement during the illegal tampering period that's come quickly after. When they have money, he likes to get a deal done early. If Chris Jones is testing the market and they're making that move there and they've had to make or are making a decision on Legarius Sneed, Chris Jones testing the market might simply just the Chiefs might run out of money. They're not. I don't think they're going to sit around and wait for him again. I think that got them in a little bit of trouble in years past, and it has the Orlando Brown Jr. and it kind of did with Tyree Kill. I don't know if they are going to play the patience game. So if that happens, I just do wonder if they spend some of that allotted money elsewhere before he can fully test free agency. I I think the good news for the Chiefs in that scenario is. Uh, the legal tampering period is not the first time that these conversations start happening, which is wonderful. Um, But what's more important, I think, is Chris Jones is the top free agent in all of football this year. Um, That is the perception of him. So a market will have to materialize quickly. A market will have to uh, materialize, obviously. And when Chris, Chris's agents are at, uh, at St. Elmo's, throwing back shrimp cocktail, they're going to know the numbers. Whoops. Don't tell the NFL. But I mean, you know, like they're going to, they're, they're going to have a good pulse. And I think he is a, um, a guy that the market's going to have to be very clear and teams are going to have to be pretty intentional about getting to that number because they've got to know too, if they're going to move on or if they're going to be getting him as well. So I think, I, I guess I just I, I would say I don't think the entire offseason is going to be held hostage by Chris. I think the Chiefs will move on quickly if they know that they're out, and they'll just they'll they'll be able to figure things out relatively quickly just because of the wink wink nod nod, you know, stuff happens in Indianapolis, right? So, um, yeah, I I don't know I I I don't know if I'm super worried about that because he is going to be the biggest priority or a few teams trying to work this out if they are really in on paying him. So that's that's all I'll say. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back because another chief was making the news talking about his contract situation. We'll be back right after this. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you, everyone, hanging out with us today. Again, we all love you very much. Um, we are, you know, we're we're trying to provide a, a relatively normal, you know, show here tonight. But please know where our hearts are at right now. But we just really wanted to, you know, just try to try to talk some football here as well. Um, Lejarius Sneed is another guy that you know is going to be high up on the list of players that the Chiefs are going to have to prioritize and he's another big piece to all of this. He was on with a uh, friend of KCSN K Adams on Up and Adams this morning talking I I like the that we all got included under that umbrella. He this is Tuck, this is Tucker Tuck, Tucker Tucker D Franklin's friend. Okay. Tucker D Franklin's I I'm I don't know if it, I don't know if Kay has signed Tucker yet, but we're trying to you know we're trying to fend her off right now. <laughs> um, but when he was on that show, he just he had one very simple message for Brett Veach: Pay me, pay <laughs> me. Legarius Sneed looking for some money here. I do think obviously the the situations between Chris Jones and him are are, are a little bit different. First contract for Legarius Sneed, first big money for Legarius Sneed. Um, but he's obviously Chris Jones and Legarius Sneed. What happens with them determines a lot of what happens with the rest of this entire offseason. Yeah, and I mean, you probably have to start with deciding like what's priority one. Is it Sneed or is it Chris Jones? And the Chiefs technically, I think, can get both done. Like, right? I think they yeah. can oh, yeah. get both done. It's definitely yeah. a possibility. Um, 
I don't know if they will because that straps them from being able to do anything else. I think that kind of stops them from being able to do anything else. So they got to decide which one is most important to them. Is it going to be Snead or is it going to be Chris Jones? And I don't, Snead getting up on, you know, up and Adams and saying, pay me, pay me. You're probably not catching a discount there. And I don't, that's fine. I have no problem with that. This is, Legereus needs sneaky, not young. He's not old, but he's not young either. This is his big paycheck. This is his big payday. This is his chance to really cash in. He's 27 years old. Like, I get it. He wants that big deal. He shouldn't be trying to take a team-friendly discount. So go and get your money. That's fine. I hope the Chiefs do it. I think he matters a lot. If you haven't yet, listen to Steve Spagnuolo talk to uh, Baldinger uh, on the their podcast they were doing, and he st- starts the very beginning of the podcast is saying, yeah, we can't do what we do without Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed. Like, that's how he starts it is, they're the secret ingredient. They allow us to do everything else we do. So I, I hope the Chiefs find a way to pay LeJarrius Steed what he wants. I've seen people float the franchise tag around for him, and I think that makes sense. It's I think comes out to 18, a little just 18. under 19. Yeah. Just under $19 million for one year. That's that, that would be fine, but I'm not opposed to also just giving him a contract around that for two, three years, whatever it's going to be because I think he's been really good and means a lot to the team and what they do with him and that secondary as a whole allow the rest of the defense to be better. So like that's the next hurdle is figuring out Chris Jones or Snead, which one takes the first priority, and then where do you go from there, I think. Yeah, just kind of looking at guys that have gotten paid, because I think that Brett Veach will, just based on his history here, LeJerry Snead is going to be 27, so it's not one of those things that you're looking at and you're going, okay, so he's past the 28-year mark. Brett Veach is absolutely not. So he can still sign him. I don't know how long-term he's going to commit to him, though. So that's why Maddie's alluding to maybe a two- or a three-year deal. If LeJerry Snead and his agent are sitting around and going, hey, listen, this is my one shot because corners over 30 don't get paid, I need a four or five year deal. I need something that makes me a little more secure or I need more guarantees. I need something here to try and sweeten the pot. I would understand. It. So I would love to to have Legarius need here, but he's got a lot of leverage in this situation. And the other part is he hasn't made it by, you know, NFL standards, a lot of money. I don't know if you guys know this. Legarius need is the fourth fourth highest paid corner on the Chiefs by APY. Obviously, Trent McDuffie's first. He's a first-round draft pick. But Joshua Williams makes more from an APY perspective than LeJarrius Sneed does, as does Kelvin Joseph. That's right. You heard me. On a one-year deal, is making more APY. As a matter of fact, Nick Jones is making just a couple thousand dollars a year less than LeJarrius Sneed. Like this man does this man needs to get paid. Like, period. He has been one of the top corners in the league for a long time. That's what happens when you're a day three pick, grudging, you know, anything here, the contract structure, but he wants his money and he's going to get a lot of money from somebody. Like you don't play as well as he did all year long. Question is, are his agents going to be able to convince the Chiefs, whoever team it is that he's, you know, trying to get paid? I was actually an all-pro player. I was actually a Pro Bowl player. I got snubbed. Or are they going to look at this and say, hey, you don't have any real awards to your name, so we're not going to go up to that big tier. We're not going to go up to that big thing. Even though he has played at that level, we're not going to push up to that amount of money. I'm 
very curious to hear what that market looks like because I'm with Natty. I I tag him, try and get a deal done, and if he doesn't, you, that eighteen million dollars, I'm more than willing to pay Lejeune. Uh, there's also been some some knee stuff that has happened, you know, for him in recent memory. So you've got that to include as well, as far as like, you know, taking things into consideration. There's zero chance he would accept a two year deal. I'll just say, I'll just come out and say I don't think there's any chance. It's <laughs> three four year deal. I would see I could see a four year deal, which is which is basically a three year deal, something along those lines being something that could potentially entice Legarius Sneed. Um, but yeah, I just, I, 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 I would, I'd be surprised if, if he took anything less than a two year deal, but like, there's, there's a lot to consider in that, in that calculation, right? Because to like the, with the injury and the age, it's tough. And I honestly, I think if, if you, if you tag him, I, that probably is last year in Kansas city is my guess too, you know? Yeah. I think I would just have a hard time seeing Brett Veach. Like we're at the same impasse that we are with Chris Jones. Chris Jones didn't want to pay a 28-year-old defensive tackle. Chris Jones didn't want to, or, uh, or Brett Veach didn't want to pay a 28-year-old defensive tackle. Brett Veach didn't want to pay Tyron Matthew. Uh, he doesn't offer contracts very often into people players' 30s. Like that just doesn't happen very often. So that's where things get tricky. And that would be sitting there putting Legere Sneed right at 30, uh, 31, 32 for this next contract. So that's definitely something to watch. Um, and I mean, he didn't practice much the last two weeks either. Like he was, he was running on steam on the way, you know, Legereus was running, running on steam at the end of this, at the end of this season and still played incredible. Like, <laughs> But these are just the things that I think are going to be, uh, you know, talked about, brought up potentially as, you know, as part of these negotiations and dirty business, man. It's a dirty business. Yeah. Not, not calling the Chiefs dirty. It's just, this is tough. This is, this is where things get really tough for some of these players. And the Chiefs are notoriously cutthroat about their age stuff. And they have been pretty cutthroat about the contracts they're going to offer their guys besides Mahomes. Um, and not their guys. I mean, right. So, uh, Craig brought up a good point too. I mean, Sneed's going to be 27. This contract is signed. Corners that get older don't get paid a lot. I'm looking through like contracts that are signed right now. There's only a couple guys that signed their deal, current deal, over 27 years old, uh, 27 or older. Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I don't think Sneed's quite on Jalen Ramsey's level of Jalen Ramsey being 28. Let's just yeah. be clear. The Jalen Ramsey at that age is better. Xavier Howard. Bet they want that contract back. Yeah, they do. That hasn't worked out real well for them. JC Jackson wasn't 27. He was 26. But do you think uh, people really didn't want that? Yeah, no, they they hate that. Yeah. Darius Slay was 31. And so, like, you know, he, he's been good. But is Darius Slay the same guy they even paid at 31? And then you're getting down to James Bradbury territory, which they got one good year. And yikes. And to be fair, the James Bradbury numbers here are are inflated. Oh, yeah. They they have a big Ford year that they're just walking away from. L- James Bradbury's not making the amount of money that, like, if you look at the list, he's not making anywhere close to that. Yeah. What is it? Well, uh, Cam Sutton's getting more guaranteed money than James yes, Bradbury. So Cam Sutton was what I was coming to next because Cam Sutton signed this past offseason. Now, Sneed was better than Cam Sutton the year before, but he's only getting 11 per year, but he's 20. I just... I'm just trying to say is corners at this age don't get paid a lot. Guys cash in at corner after a good rookie campaign 
And then they got that big deal, that four-year, five-year deal, whatever it is after that, and they kind of ride off on that. And then from that point, it becomes a lot shorter deals for a lot less money. So Sneed being this age for his first time getting a big contract, it kind of sucks for him because this is his last chance to maximize his money. So then you look at maximizing his money and look at leverage, you go and look, it's Legereus Sneed and Jalen Johnson. That's kind of the end of your free agent corner list. Kendall Fuller is a free agent again. He's one, he's even older. He's 29 and yeah. Kendall Fuller's not the same as those other two. And it's, two it's, it's weird. agency class. It, is it not weird that Kendall Fuller's still not 30 years old? I know. Yeah. He feels it's like forever like so ago, long ago that he played. It, he was, it, it was just four years ago that he well, played in the city. Yeah. But it's also, it, that speaks to Brett Veach's kind of philosophy oh, is yeah. like the reason he liked Kendall Fuller is because he was still a really young player. And some club control and all that kind of stuff. So just, well, I, I mean, don't know. Here you go. Jalen Johnson was drafted the same year as Steve, if I'm not mistaken. And he's not even 25 when he signed yeah. his contract. Right. Jalen Johnson was over two. super young. Yeah. He's, he's sure he was. And that's part of why draft age matters when you do stuff like this. But like, so it's just, but that's it though. That's, Sneed has the leverage and he's got motive for wanting to maximize his money. Now, knowing the Chiefs, I do think they will franchise tag him and then try to work out a deal that they think is fair. And it's not like, I, I'm not saying they're going to, you know, completely screw over LeJarrius Steen with this, but you get beyond this year, Steen might be one of those players that unfortunately get stuck in that spot where the team gave him a one-year contract, all guaranteed, but like they use the franchise tag to control what he can do. It robs him of his, like, a big year that's a matter, and he's only fighting for one payday. He just, he might have an unfortunate situation where he does not get to maximize his money the same way a lot of other people did because of the age he was when he entered the NFL and because of the franchise tag. That's not a fault of the Chiefs. That's just kind of the way the system is. So I don't know. I'm intrigued to see where this one goes because I do think there's a significant motive for Sneed to not to want to make as much money as he can right now. This is his last chance. Like this is, unless it's a franchise tag deal, he's not even going to have a prayer at getting close to the payday he's going to get this offseason coming off this year and only being 27, especially if you're already dealing with knee and shoulder injuries like he has throughout his career. So I hope he gets paid and I hope it's in Kansas City. I hope he's here for more than one year, but I would be surprised if Legereus Need is not at least in, you know, under the he tagged in here next year. I did want to ask you guys too. I, I I lost it in the chat. Somebody did ask the thoughts on tagging and trading yeah. Legereus Sneed. Yeah, I I think there's value there. I really do believe that there's value there. And an $18 million tag holding on to that is something that you know, they, they, I think they'd have a little more appetite for it, but I, I think the league is also, we, we have, you know, doing this as long as we have here and like little rumblings during draft season and stuff like that. NFL teams are so freaking risk, risk averse to injuries and age. Like it, those are the two things that we hear time and time again, that knees a ticking time bomb. How many times have we heard that, guys? Just countless times. That knees a ticking time bomb. And then you watch a guy that you really like that has a ton of talent fall to day three. Or, you know, uh, now he's old. He's already kind of hit the top of his development cycle. Guy falls to day three. The tape is good. Like, you're watching it, and you're like, man, this is a quality football player. What the hell is happening here? And NFL teams as a whole, like, they're – all it takes is one team to buck the trend, and as a whole, they consistently align with that. So I don't think – it. I, there's no I don't think here. The juice is not the, worth the squeeze for me. 
Legereus Sneed is so much more important to Kansas City, especially if Chris Jones isn't here, is so much more important to Kansas City than he is, you know, if they trade him for a third round pick, which may be all oh, they can get for him. So they would it, get more you, than that. I did you think? Yes. I do. For a 27-year-old corner with a knee injury? You just said this, you just said the magic words. There's two cornerbacks in the market. Yeah. And I do think that there I do think the Chiefs could get more than a third because they could let him walk and get a compensatory third round pick. So there'd be no leverage for them to trade. Future like, third. Future. Yeah, I know. But they I don't think they would trade him for a third anyway. I don't think there's any chance that they'd trade him for a third. I think they could I, I I'll say this. I think they could I think they I think they're probably gonna put the tag on him. I think they'd maybe listen on deals and just see what's out there for a potential trade. And it's I I'm not actively trying to do that. I don't want to do that. Honestly, I'd rather just roll with Legarius Need for one more year, honestly, because he's that good of a player and I think this team can very well three-peat uh with him on on this team. They have an insane cornerback room. They have the best cornerback room in the National Football League. Uh, I I think you roll it, you roll that out now. They could withstand lo- trading a Lajerry Steed if they're trying to create cl- cap flexibility and move that stuff around. But it's not going to be the same as it was this year. You know, I, I know they have a you know they have a Trent McDuffie like Trent McDuffie's going to get. I think Trent McDuffie's a guy that the Chiefs pay. Yeah, uh, because he's he was a 21 year old, I believe, when he was drafted. I think he's a guy that they're ultimately going to pay. Like they're not going to let Trent McDuffie walk out the door. Legarius, we'll see. Um, I could see them flirting with the idea of it, even though it would be a very, very, very brutal thing to do after that Super Bowl. But I, I think they could. I think they could potentially trade him. But I don't. I, I do. I'm not betting on it. I do want to say this. Part of the reason why the three-year deal makes sense is because that's when you're paying Trent McDuffie. Like that that's when it makes sense. You know, to try and get that your get out year with Legarius is about the time for the bigger years with Trent. Keep those guys together. We just, you know, try try and keep that unified. But I do think that the Chiefs have some options here to sweeten the pot for him to make that cap hit pretty low. And de-risk some of these things that we've been talking about here. They're not afraid to attach incentives to things. Right now, you could attach a 17 games played incentive to Legarius Need, and it would be not likely to be earned because he only played 16 last year. You could attach a Pro Bowl incentive, an All-Pro incentive, because he doesn't have those. Legarius Need believes he's going to get those. I believe he's going to get those next year. But put that carrot out there. Dangle that out there and say, hey, listen, we're willing to pay you $14 million, but with incentives, we can make this 19. We can make this 20. We can get this to the point where you're comfortable with this, where it makes you one of the the top corners in the league with all of these incentives. They've done it with multiple different players under Brett Beach's purview. I can see a situation where that de-risks some of it because Legereus need on $14 million a year doesn't break you. And you can guarantee, essentially, for three years. You could give him the kind of financial stability there. Say, hey, we're basically going to pay you this every single year. Here's your guarantees. And we're giving you an opportunity to make more when you inevitably hit those sorts of things. I can see them trying to structure it that way. And then maybe there's a scenario there where Legereus says, okay, 
I'm willing to take a three-year deal because I believe in myself. I believe in myself in Steve Spagnuolo's system here. And that's going to maximize my dollars because there's another team out there that's offered 16, 17, 18, but the Chiefs are offering up to 20. He knows what he's getting out of SPACs. He knows where he stands in this equation. He knows that he's going to be one of the league's top corners with high visibility. Stay in Kansas City. Get those incentives that tra- that just jack it up to one of the upper tier cornerbacks. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating to see what the Chiefs are going to do because they do have, I mean, there's two big name free agents that were a huge part of what they accomplished this year and the entire season that are coming up here and how they handle that. And then I also think if you just listen to even how Brett Veach was talking about the team after they won the Super Bowl and their plans on, you know, how, how specific they were about going for three, I think they also know this team has to get better in some of the areas that they were weak in. And so that probably means you got to play a little bit of free agency, a little bit more than you were able to last year because, you know, some of the financial strain that was going on. So it is going to be fascinating to see what they do because we said it, they can get both guys back. If they want to just keep this defense around, they can't. They can keep Chris Jones. They can keep Legereus Seed. It just might come at a cost of not being a lot of money, not being able to really try to add a proven wide receiver that is, you know, towards the top of the depth chart, not being able to really turn over potentially the left tackle position or anything like that. So it's doable. It's just all what what they want to do. Um, well, I, and I would also, s- it. Oh, well, I'll also say, you know, it becomes a little trickier for them to try to extend people in the 2021 draft class too. So if you're going like, to, yeah. if you're I, like, you know, if you're willing to, you know, and like the Chiefs got yeah. good value out of the, you know, out of, you know, Bolton and Creed and Trey, but those are also three positions that aren't the highest priorities when it comes to your positional value conversation either. However, I think I'm I'll there's a few players that I fully expect will get extended by the Chiefs too. So I don't know. They, that's just all. It's just, you know, there's some opportunity cost potentially lost as well if you, you know, if you do make some moves for granted two players at two I mean D tackle is not premium position, but when you're Chris Jones, it's a premium position. Yes. You know, <laughs> so do you try to keep the premium corner and try to keep the premium D tackle, even though it's going to be, you know, on the older side, or do you prioritize linebacker, interior offensive line to keep some of the continuity there for the future? I that's one of the more I think that's going to be one of the more interesting questions of this team. You know, like that's a way that you can maybe potentially you know, sign a couple of those guys and still do some stuff this year. I think they could do more beyond just those two if they really wanted to. But it's all, it's a, it's all to your point. There's a lot of, there's just, there's a lot of decisions coming down the road too because they've drafted well and they got some players they want to take. Yeah. Keep. Good problem. Good problems to have. And I see this a lot when we talk about, this from Ross. I I see this question a lot when we're talking about these two players in particular. Brett Veach has had a lot of success drafting defensive backs. Do you think that weighs in on the idea of prioritizing Chris Jones and letting Steve go? And like, I, I've 100% followed that logic and it makes plenty of sense. But I also will say the reason that the defense took such a big step forward this year was because they weren't breaking in younger DBs. I mm-hmm. think there's a big gap. I think Jalen Watson and Josh Williams have been awesome, especially for their draft value. Neither have been Legereus Sneed though. Neither have been Trent McDuffie. That those two guys aren't what are allowing this defense to do what it does. Yes, 
great players. Awesome that they are on this team. I'm glad they're here. I'm excited to see them and Nazi Johnson next year. But Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, bringing in Justin Reed, those are the guys that allow this defense to do what they do. Those are the guys that can move around the secondary. Those are the guys that can always give you a plus matchup, no matter how good the weapons you're going up against, right? No matter how good the weapons on the opposing offense are, having Sneed and McDuffie do that, being able to land a good defensive back in round four or five or six is awesome. Huge feather in the cap for Brett Veach. That doesn't give you that same matchup favor that you get with Legereus Sneed right now. So I, I get the logic. I just would argue from the other side that if we're talking over the next two years, which move allows Steve Spagnolo to do the closest thing he did to this year, I think it's Sneed. You lose out on the dominant force that is Chris Jones who blew up his own handful of plays, but it's a matter of removing the five plays that Chris Jones blows up by himself and allowing the other 55 plays to be Steve Spagnuolo throwing all of his crazy stuff out there because he feels comfortable. That's what I think I would have to be weighing a little bit more in that situation. Well, and just one other quick comment. What round was Trent McDuffie taking in? One. They traded up for him in the first. So I get what you're saying about, hey, they'll be, they're not going to find Legereus Sneed. I think they could find another Jalen Watson. I think they could for find sure. another Joshua Williams for sure. I think they'd find another Shamar Connor. Like, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, they're, I, they're hey, stacking it. It's good. We yeah. ain't closed on Nick Jones. No. You know, they or like Nazi to Johnson. They, or Nazi Johnson. Like, I think yeah. that, but, but the point is, none of those, I, those guys are, I'm, believe me, I, lo, I adore the 22 t- draft class. <laughs> like, love it. I mean, it's got Trent and George and Leo and Joshua and like all these guys. But you're not finding a blue chip like you like you found with Legereus Sneed, and like I think that's where things get a little bit more hairy. I think you could argue trading from depth at the cornerback position because they've done such a good job there. I just think you just just tag him. If you're gonna do anything and I, just roll with it, I think he's 100% Kansas City. 100%. I think 100%. He says cold. 99.9%. He's in Kansas City this year. So I, I do. I do think that that's the case. Yeah, I like that you referenced the 2021 draft class. That matters. That really does matter a lot. Anybody that's watched anything over the past couple of days that involves Steve Spagnolo <laughs> should know that. Nick Bolton is 1,020% getting paid by this organization. Oh, yeah. Get, get used to it. If you don't like that, too bad. He's getting signed. And, you know, we'll wait and see what that contract number looks like. We talked a little bit about that in the KCSN Discord. Might be a $13 million man. That would put him right under Matt. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on, Craig. Yeah. Uh, now... Never mind. I'm just no. Nothing do it. will. Nothing do will. It. Nothing. No dollar number. No dollar number will surprise me. Well, I, that's that's what I'm just trying to say. Because I'll just tell you that thing. with yeah. Nick, I don't think there. I no number will surprise me. I'm sure that there will be discourse me. on that when it happens. But well, there will be a lot of discourse. I won't be surprised. The there might be some disagreement on how much I'd be willing to pay any linebacker. But we'll get into that conversation. Do you think that he tops Roquan Smith's twenty million dollars? No. Okay, but do you think that he tops Fred Warner's nineteen million dollars? I don't know. I if think you told me Tremaine. God, if you told me he was... closest comparison is is Tremaine because 
Yeah. Of age. Nick Bolton is 23. Yeah. He's young. This That's the, those, are, those are the guys that those, those are the, the guys, guys that Brett are going to pay. Yes. Warner signed his deal at age 24, by the way. He did. He did sign his, age, his deal at age 24. $19 million. The fact that it is even <laughs> considerable that we would be talking about Fred Warner and Nick Bolton making close to the same amount of money after watching the Super Bowl is asinine to me. Those two guys play a different sport. Not even position, different sport. And that's fine. And I'm not arguing that Nick Bolton will or won't be paid. I think he will be. I think Steve Spagnuolo trusts him with his life. He does. And I think that matters. And I think that matters to a Spags defense. I think that's huge. I just can't, I can't sit here and say, oh, this defense functions the way that it did because Spags has Sneed and Trent McDuffie and Justin Reed and they can do all these things without also acknowledging that Nick Bolton is trusted to help make calls, help make adjustments, do all this stuff. And maybe not always well, but he is trusted to do everything. Anything they ask him, they trust him to do. So, like, I can't sit here and say all those other things and leave out Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton is 100% in that. I think he 100% gets paid by Kansas City. And I do think that it's a substantial amount of money that puts him in the upper tier of linebackers. I shudder at the thought that he is making anywhere close to what Fred Warner did because I just watched Fred Warner single-handedly for a half in a quarter, shut down the Chiefs offense by himself. And I'm not saying like that, <laughs> you know, entirely a, a huge feat with the way they played sometimes this year. But what Fred Warner does on a football field is on another planet than what any linebacker, including Roquan Smith, but any linebacker does. Like Roquan Smith has maybe closed the gap a tiny bit since he's been in Baltimore. Maybe. But what Fred Warner does is such a different level than anybody else that just, it's crazy to me to watch some teams' offensive game plans to attack Nick Bolton and then teams' offensive game plans to completely avoid Fred Warner like he is the plague and say, ah, no, those guys might make near the same amount of money. That just Meanwhile. blows my mind. Meanwhile. Well, we'll see. And who knows? Like, We'll see what the number ultimately comes down to. What do you say, Craig? I mean, meanwhile, Aluacon's out there, and I would look at Aluacon and say, yeah, Nick Bolton's a better football player that does way more for the Kansas City Chiefs than he does for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's making $15 million. So Nick's yeah. agent yes. could easily make that argument. I mean... He's another coach on the field for Steve Spagnuolo. He, I love Justin Reed. Justin Reed should catch a contract extension this year to reduce his cap number and keep him here. He, he's been phenomenal. Keep him around. So I want Justin Reed here. Nick Bolton took on the Tyron Matthew role that we saw when Tyron Matthew got here in 2019. Steve Spagnuolo trusts Nick Bolton the same way that he trusted Tyron Matthew to adjust the defense, make him right, and do all the things that they wanted to. And they expanded the playbook exponentially this year. And it stayed good. And I know people are going to say, hey, he missed some time. They were a better football team with Nick on the field. Bar none. They, they were. And I know you can pick out individual plays that Nick was, quote unquote, at fault for maybe a big play or something like that. But this defense went as far as Nick Bolton did and what he was able to do and the adjustments that he was able to do that. And Steve Spagnuolo has made that abundantly clear since the Super Bowl finished. This man is just getting paid all the money by Kansas City. Period. It's good. I, I with the stinky leg. It's gonna be. <laughs> it's gonna be a good chunk of change. I'm just telling you. I don't. I think he will get paid more than Matt Milano. Um, I crazy too. But I mean, but so did, to Craig's point, so did Aluakon, and so like. Bolton's a better player than him. Like I, yep. I will say that. So like, yeah, like now and now you've paid yourself. Okay, if we're just doing the straight player for player comparisons here, right? He's got to be above fifteen, 
I think it's crazy that he gets near 19, but like there's not a lot of space between 15 and 19. Well, is he better than 32 year old CJ Mosley? Well, he signed his deal when he was younger. I know. Also, <laughs> so, and they Tremaine want that Edmonds, deal back. Tremaine Edmonds, not great. <laughs> not any well, but the million dollar player. Running around, but you're right. I mean, I know. I'm just, I know. There's that, but well, like, here's the thing. If you I, and you're talking about Steve Spagnolo, he had a different call. He had a different call on third and fourth to one of the things Matty was talking about. He had a, so that yeah. big third and fourth that Trent McDuffie has the tip. Yep. Okay, uh, and I think you can find it. Uh, it's called All NFL. I think it's Baldy and uh, Gargano. Uh, anyways, they're talking with Spagnolo. It's a whole hour. I'm like 45 minutes into it. It's been fantastic. But Spags has a third and uh, a call on third and four, and he decides to go to the fourth and fourth side of his call sheet, and instead to try to try to make one of those calls for this kind of situation. And he he first off he what he calls into to Nick Bolton to get his insight. Okay, so there's mm-hmm. that. Yeah, coach on the field, and then Nick <laughs> Bolton emphatically, like is like yes, <laughs> it was like Please. the conviction. The conviction of Bolton to help validate what Spags was feeling. So it's like there's there's too much synergy there. And like there's a ton of value on that. And like there's there's still like there's there's a very nuanced conversation about some of the deficiencies that exist with Nick Bolton. And that's okay because there's so much other intangible value there that is so the 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 best defensive coordinator in the world is telling you it exists. So yeah, you're they're gonna pay him. They're gonna pay him a lot of money. The guy that's won four world championships and is about to win his fifth is telling you that yeah. Nick Bolton is the most important player on that league leading and, defense. And this is to to the same point. I think this is why Legarius Sneed will be back too. If yeah. you hear how Spags talks about Legarius Sneed and Trent. And three guys, there's been three guys that he's talked up on every single interview he's gone to. And this isn't to say that he hasn't said great things about Chris Jones, about George Carlson, about Leo Chanel, about about, he said nice things about everybody. But listen to what Spags has been saying. There is definitely a high, high importance of what they were able to accomplish placed on to Trent McDuffie, Legereus, Need, and Nick Bull. And it's he doesn't hold back on any of it. And yeah, like to Ken's point, like that's one of our sentence. He's asking Bolton what he thinks about this play. Now, I think it's awesome that both Andy slash Matt Nagy, and not that Nagy's calling plays, just that he's involved in the communication process. And then Steve Spagnuolo for the defensive side are asking Chiefs players what plays they want. You watch all these different mic'd up segments that are coming out from the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan didn't ask a single time what his players were. He was telling Brock Purdy what to do. He was going full McVay and golf on him by saying, Kyle didn't even tell his Kyle didn't even tell his team the Kyle didn't even tell his team the overtime rules. So they're not doing that at all. Andy slash Nagy are asking Pat what he wants to run on this fourth down or what he likes. Like they're asking Pat what he likes. Now, Spags didn't go that far. Spags is saying, no, no, no. I asked what he thought about this specific call, and it wasn't even looking for the words yes or no. He said that he was looking for how the player reacts. He was reading body language and how they react to the call more so than the specific words they're gonna say. And he said, you know, he trusts Nick 
give him this answer. And he said as excited as Nick was about it, he felt good that that was going to be a good call. So he trusts Nick's read on the whole thing. So I, just, I thought that that's like a side adjacent piece to the Nick Mould thing. I just think it's cool how the Chiefs coaches are asking their players for input on plays in the biggest moments. And I thought that was quite different than how the 49ers were handling some of their play calls down the stretch of that game. And that's also Kyle. This isn't a shot at Kyle. I think Kyle's actually a great coach that did his best Super Bowl coaching in this game probably that he has in all three of his chances now. And like, still and still made it and still made a crucial mistake. I don't uh, think overtime takes a mistake. No, no, no. That wasn't even what I was okay. going to talk about. Okay, um yeah. I think I think uh, can I can I sorry, did you have something cuz I really do have a Kyle thought. Sorry. No. I'll defend Kyle. No, I was no, rip Kyle. I, so I, I was just confirming that you know that Nick was right about his enthusiasm for that call. That call was incredible. <laughs> so but it, but it also, let's be clear, it shouldn't have worked. Had the 49ers not had George Kittle in the backfield, it's not working, right? Like, if George Kittle was ready to scan and, and, and his protection, that, it doesn't work. Right? But that's the thing. Yeah. The call's there. Nick will check out of that. We see him check out of those sorts of things all the time. So when the 49ers line up, it's one of those, oh, no, I actually do feel really good about this. Oh, what's the, check out of a, what's the check out of that personnel group? Oh, now I'm now really I'm out. Buddy. Time out. Time out. <laughs> Um, uh, Spags, just so you guys know, Spags also called, uh, Nick Bolton, the, the Patrick Mahomes of their defense, the quarterback, the, all that stuff. So like, I'm just telling you that there is, they are a battery. Uh, Spags and Bolton are a battery. They might, they might as well run, uh, for president. Uh, they could win. Um, one thing I, cause like while we're talking a little bit about the game and I, there'd probably be some like micro moments of this happening, I'm sure over the next month or so, cause you know, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and everything. And there's going to be more forms and more time to think about all this stuff. But real quick, I, I, the, the time, the overtime stuff, I don't care about. Um, I, I think this might be the last time we see this happen is the Niners should have gone for it on fourth down. They should have run the ball on third and four, and then they should have gone for it on fourth down. They should have tried to kill the beast. And I, they were tied. This was a tie game. It wound up being this, and I'm, this isn't even revisionist. Like it wound up being the same scenario, right? They should have run the ball twice with Christian McCaffrey and tried to get four yards on third and four and fourth down if they didn't get it. Because if they do that, they win the Super Bowl. And if they don't, they're going to overtime. You, I don't think under any scenario, and it's kind of like this, it's kind of like how the Bengals kind of got in the Chiefs' head that first time that they beat them, is they were being aggressive, they were going for it, and they were just refusing to create a scenario where Patrick Mahomes got the ball back to end the game. I think and Kyle Shanahan was aggressive, and he was more aggressive than he's ever been, and kudos to him. But I think the next time that this happens, the next Super Bowl that this happens... If a team gets in that same exact scenario, they are 100% going to keep... They're going to go for it on four, third and fourth down, and they're going to try to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. Do you know what happened on that second down? Do you remember what happened yes. on that second down? I talked about it last... It was Trent McDuffie yeah. closing that... It, it was a phenomenal play by Trent. It was He played. Well, he made back-to-back back plays. Tight end. And, yeah. and, and Kyle blinked. That's what it was. There was a so, stop. Kyle blinked. I don't think that was his mistake. I think his mistake was not going for it in overtime because if you miss it in overtime, you force the Chiefs still to drive the whole field, you know, again. I, I mean, I guess both of them kind of fair. I I think 
taking a lead that late in the game with how ungood the Chiefs offense had been to that point. I mean, they had it, they had driven down the field a couple times in the second half, but it's not like they were consistently driving up and down the field. I understand taking the points and relying on your defense that had been the better unit on the field throughout the game at that point in time. I get it. I also get not wanting to give the ball back to Mahomes. I think, though, doing that twice, I think I think it's more the second time, seeing how Mahomes drove them right back down the field the last time, then you get the ball in overtime, and then you do the same thing again in overtime and take the field goal. I think where that's maybe where I start to have my doubts, because in overtime especially, you kick the field goal from what you just saw from Mahomes right before this. Do you think a field goal is good enough? You probably don't, right? You're not feeling good about a field goal then. If you get stuck on fourth down, okay, you shove the Chiefs offense down under, under their own goalpost. And like the 10-yard line, maybe you force a punt to get your third possession. So I think the bigger mistake is probably not going for it on fourth down and overtime than regulation. I get taking the lead in the regulation aspect a little bit. I've I've got one more that I think was a bigger mistake than both of those. The way that he ended the, ended the second half, he let the Chiefs control the clock and take it all the way down to kick that field goal when they had done practically nothing on offense. Not practically. They had done nothing on offense. To that point, the Chiefs had first and 10 on the San Francisco 14, the first time that they actually gotten down there since the fumble. There's a three-yard pass to Rasheed Rice, and what the full time ticks off the clock. The next snap, that was at 109 that that snap went off. The next snap was at 37 seconds. Rasheed Rice left tackle for two yards it's now third and five the Chiefs called the timeout at 31 seconds don't get it because Mahomes is sacked hey you know has a one yard loss there and then the 49ers called their first timeout of the half right then and there at 23 okay. seconds they don't give themselves the opportunity to try and do anything they've moved the ball at that point like they have had some successful drives they could have had about a minute left on the clock if they wanted to at the end of the first half, and Kyle just went, nah, I'm just going to let it tick down. Uh, now, yeah, now to, be, to be fair, that puts them in their kind of their true drop back game. That puts them in a, you know, situation that their young quarterback, like I see why they wouldn't do that a little, like, especially they'll take walking out with a lead. Sure, but hit a screen and see if CMC gets you 20 yards yep. and then you put Purdy and, and like let him go. Like, no, I agree. In a vacuum, that was actually, that's probably pretty bad. I think the fact that you still had a whole half to play for me and overtime, it's hard to like weigh that as much as the other two. I think, so like, I think Kyle Shanahan's slowly learning a little bit more about what it takes to beat the Chiefs <laughs> at the Super Bowl. I think the fourth and three was progress for him. But I think if he got the exact same scenario that he got, uh, that he had, you know, third and four chance to keep Mahomes off the field, I think he'd do it. And honestly, I think the next time that scenario pops up in a Super Bowl type game against Patrick Mahomes, I think teams are going to refuse to give him the ball. They are going to, the, the math I think is going to change now that people have seen what Mahomes has done, now that he's won back to back. Now that he's taken a team that didn't have the same kind of consistent offense, I genuinely think that's the last time we will see the Chiefs gifted an opportunity like that. Another team is going to have to feel like they're got to go win it. And they were kind of playing a little, just a hint of not to lose. It's 35, though. That's like, what, 30 yards and the Chiefs win the game if you don't make it. I get it. I 
I think that doing it from the nine, I think the fourth and four from the Chiefs nine in overtime. Uh, I just think the next time that they're going to go, okay, well, probably two minutes. I mean, we gave Mahomes two minutes, no, you know? I it, you know. I, I, somebody put it the best after this game, right? Like, the NFL season's so stupid now because no matter what happens for the entire season, I wish I remember who tweeted this, no matter what happens all year, the entire NFL season comes down to, did you give Patrick Mahomes the ball at the end of the game? But that's it. That's what the NFL season comes down to right now. Like, did you give Patrick Mahomes the ball at the end of your game? If yes, then, well, you didn't win. Like, you know what I mean? Like, nothing else for seven. Nothing else in the football, nothing else in the NFL matters now. Like at the end of the game, like did that happen or not? That's that's what you kind of reach. Like I know it's a joke, but also not a joke. Yeah, Chiefs are going to have to play from ahead next Super Bowl, is what I'm hearing. No, no, let's not, let's not do that. Because once again, Patrick Mahomes is seven for seven when he's down seven points or less with a minute remaining. He's either tied it up or gone and won the game every single. <laughs> time he's been there in the postseason and he's done it more than tom already yeah he's done it he's done it more than tom yeah drew Brees was the record holder for guys that had done it a whole bunch of times at 50 percent he was three for six patrick mahomes is seven for seven (laughs) he's not real he's a fake player that we made up and we put on the kansas city chiefs and now we have all sorts of rings for it it's wonderful yep it's kind of cool. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We love you. We're going to be here all off offseason uh, thinking about you, praying for you. Appreciate you all. That's it for this Casey Laboratory. We'll catch you later.